0: finish line we have tonight and then we have next wednesday night we'll finish up talking about heaven and uh tonight we're here in luke chapter 16 give you a couple of announcements and then i'll dive in and we're still doing good on time that's good this coming saturday we have our service here at the church turkey and grocery giveaway at one o'clock in the afternoon if you signed up to bring groceries make sure you bring those here before saturday and then if you had money for a turkey, um, you can, at the end of the service, we'll have something so you can turn that in. Or you just give it to me. We'll just do it that way. And then we'll put that there. And so the turkeys are uh, 8 to $10 a piece what they're going to come to. So any help with that, that's great. And we had some money come in on Sunday. I don't know who it came from, but money came in on Sunday. So that's a big help too. And then um, Sunday evening is our Thanksgiving dinner together. So I want to uh, make sure you're here, 5 o'clock. And isn't it crazy? The weather went from Monday, it was over 90 degrees, to whatever it is today, this cold here today. And so, it goes back and forth and all that good stuff. But, um, so that will be Sunday evening, and then next Wednesday night, there's no team group or anything, service will be at 6.30. And normally on our Thanksgiving service, I don't preach, we give testimonies the whole time. But we need to finish the series on biblical prophecy, so what better to talk about when we're going to talk about blessings and praises than talk a little bit about heaven during that time. And so we'll do that, and we'll have plenty of time for praise and uh, praises, and then at the end we'll have pie. So you get Pastor Patterson, well let's, put, let's reword it this way, you get praising God, Pastor Patterson and Pi, the peas they're all there. And so it'll be a good weekend, good Wednesday next Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Can you believe Thanksgiving is just a week away? It's amazing. And so Luke chapter 16, we'll dive right in tonight and we'll get through the scriptures here and read some things. And uh, Brother Joe Mark, when he was here, he was in this passage of scripture. And I want to uh, talk a little bit more about this tonight. Luke 16, go down with me to verse number 19. and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, they may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torment, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that you may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets let them hear them. Remember how we talked about on Sunday how we're builded upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets? He's talking about the word of God. Abraham says they have the word of God. They give from there. And verse 30 says, And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they, pers- neither will they be persuaded. The one rose from the dead we read this passage a scripture and we he's not he doesn't gloat about it he even doesn't even refer to himself in the case because there's always a scriptural pattern to things but one of the things that we see and no one ever has ever claimed to come back from hell no one in the bible ever came back from hell it hasn't happened The best glimpse we have into hell and what hell is like is Luke 16 right here. This is the closest we get to what hell is like. And for a little bit of time tonight, I want us to get to a place called hell. Father, bless the next few minutes that we're together. pray that you would work and that you would bless. We need you tonight. We love you. And bless the time that we have in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Does anyone need an outline? Did anybody not get an outline? I should have asked that before you sit down. You're always standing back there, and I never remember to ask it until you're sitting down, but I think everybody's got one that wants one. All right, this passage before us talks about hell, and there are lots of people that have lots of opinions of what hell is like, and many people in the modern world ridicule the place called hell. They don't believe in a place called hell. I want you to understand something. The Bible is very clear in its teaching that there is a place called hell, and the Bible says a lot about hell. But even though the Bible has a lot to say about, there are many man-made doctrines that ridicule the idea of hell. You have one, you have rationalism. And the rationalist says there is no God, therefore there can be no hell. Charles Darwin said this, referring to hell is a damnable doctrine. But I want to remind you of something tonight. The Bible says it's there, and I believe the Bible and let God be true and every man a liar. The person who likes to ridicule, those who ridicule the doctrine of hell, they say things like this, there may be a God, but it's silly to speculate about millions of disembodied spirits frying in a lake of fire somewhere. Or, this is the 21st century, wake up, Robert Ingersoll, a famous atheist of the early part of the 20th century, said this, the idea of hell was born of revenge and brutality on the one side and cowardice on the other. I have no respect for any man who preaches it. I dislike the doctrine. I hate it. I despise it. I defy this doctrine. Let me just remind you of something. Let God be true and every man a liar. Religion. The religionist says there's a God, but God is so loving. Therefore, he could not and would not send anyone to hell. That's what a lot of cults believe today. Christian scientists, when they talk about hell, hell is an error of the mortal mind, is what they say. Jehovah Witnesses say the wicked will be annihilated. The Mormon Mormonism says all will eventually be saved and will not suffer eternal punishment. Seventh-day Adventists say God will someday blot out all sin and sinners and establish a clean universe once again. The lost will burn up like a broom sage field. Let me tell you again, let God be true and every man a liar. Much of what we know about hell and all of its references in the Bible, you know who talks about hell more than anyone? Jesus does. If you look in the Bible, you will see there are 162 references in the Bible to hell and eternal judgment in the New Testament, 162. 70 of those were spoken by Jesus Christ. You ask me tonight, why did Jesus speak so much on the subject? Well, you got your outline there. One of the reasons is, is because he believed in hell's reality. He believed that hell was a real place. And why would you preach on something you don't believe? Jesus believed that hell was a real place. He believed in the reality of hell. And then number two, he warned men about he didn't want them to go there. The Lord not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, when we get into this tonight, I want you to understand something. We're talking about hell tonight. Hell is the place where the unsaved go right now. We're, what will happen someday, and we looked at it when we looked at the great white throne judgment last week. When we looked at that and we studied that, one of the things that we saw is that death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. That's the second death. So what happens and what takes place is, When an unsaved person, and what I mean by saved, they've trusted in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're a child of His. When you die, your body gets buried, but you are with the Lord. You're with God. When you die without Christ, your body gets buried and you go to a place called hell. That's what the Bible says. And someday, when the Lord comes for the saints we'll be gathered together, we'll get that new glorified body and we'll meet together with that body and we'll forever be with the Lord. Someday, those in hell will be brought before the great white throne judgment and death that has the body, they'll be reunited for them as well. And when all that takes place, death and hell are cast in the lake of fire forever. I'm not talking about the lake of fire tonight. I'm talking about hell tonight, okay? That's what we're talking about in this passage of scripture. A lot of times, people will try to say, well, this is another one of Jesus' parables. He spoke so many parables. This passage of scripture, Lazarus has a name. Look at the parables that Jesus spoke. Not one time in a parable was a name given. The Good Samaritan, do we know his name? The Bible doesn't say. That was a parable. This is a story, a true story. There was a man, Lazarus, and there was a rich man. We look at this tonight, and I want to dive in and give you several things as we look at this. But when we jump into this, a couple of thoughts as we dive in. There's a contrast in these men. One was rich, the other was poor. The one died and was buried and was greeted by angels of the Lord and escorted to paradise. And the other one woke up in hell. Contrast between the two. I want you to understand tonight... As we dive into this, if we could get a hold of the fact that hell is a real place, it would help us be a better witness for Jesus Christ. Jesus, his mission in life was to seek and to save that which was lost. Each of us, our job is to preach the gospel to every creature. That's every Christian's job. I want you to see tonight the importance of it. Number one, when we talk about hell, we see hell... The place of sensation. Notice, look at verse number 23 here. It says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said, Father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the, ting- the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am torment in this flame. Verse 25 says, but Abraham said son remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and Likewise, Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. You notice that in hell that this rich man, he sees, he hears, he speaks, he can feel, he still has desires, he still has needs, he still has the ability to think and to express himself, and even though his body's in the grave, this man has some sort of a body there in hell that allows him to continue to live in that place. You see, I want you to understand something. If you die without Jesus Christ, you are bound to hell. That's Bible doctrine. That's what Jesus was talking about. And man, what happens is when God breathed life into man, man was given a soul. That soul is eternal. That soul will not ever, it's always going to live. It's going to be in one of two places, either in heaven or hell. That's what God gave to mankind that separates mankind from every beast of the field, anything else out there. The fact that man was given a living soul. That soul lives on forever. And that soul will live on in one of two places in heaven or in hell. And don't miss that tonight. And hell's a place of sensation, it'll be real and be experienced by all those who go there. Number two, hell's a place of separation. Verse 26 says, And beside all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from thence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Notice the rich man here found himself separated from Abraham and from Lazarus. By a great gulf. And the Bible says that this gulf here, that this gulf is fixed. You see that there? And so that means it will never be taken away. There's no way for someone who's in hell to ever get out. Once you're in, you're not getting out. Once you're with the Lord, there's a great goal fix. There's no way in between. And you think about it, no doubt one of the greatest torments of hell will be the separation from everything. Separation from all the joy and wonderful things that life had to offer, which were gifts from God to all of us. There'll be no sunrise or sunsets in hell. There'll be no laughter of children and gentle summer breeze, the fragrance of beautiful flowers. There'll be no one telling you that they love you, there will be no little things that make life worth living in hell. Hell will be void of all of those things. No family, no friends, no fellowship, nothing but endless isolation and eternal separation. Some people say, I'll just go to hell and be with my buddies. It's not how hell's going to be. You're not going to have a party in hell. In hell, a lost sinner will never hear another sermon, another gospel song, any of those things. But of all the things that a sinner will not see in hell the worst is eternal separation from a holy God imagine being in a place where there's no love imagine being in a place where there's no mercy imagine being in a place where there's no grace imagine being in a place where God's not there our world's a mess today but God's still here and he's still working. Imagine being in a place where he's not at all. That's hell. That's truly what makes hell hell. Hell's a place of sensations, a place of separation. Number three, it's a place of suffering. The Bible says here about the rich man here it says in verse 23, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in, look at that phrase, torments. Look down a little bit further, and he says in verse 20, um, Verse 24, he says, and he cries to Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, they may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. The word torment is literally the word torture. The rich man is in a place of extreme pain and torture. Anybody ever burned themselves before? Does it hurt? Yeah. I've known a few people who have had second, third degree burns and literally they were in flames. Awful pain. That's what hell is. Hell's a place of suffering. A place of torture. And what you gotta understand is this, but when you think about it, if hell, if, if this were only in the Bible, that the Bible spoke about the suffering of hell. would be one thing, but you know, the Bible talks about it over and over again in other places. The Bible talks about in Mark and in Luke how there's unquenchable fire. It talks about memories and remorse, an unquenchable thirst. Man, this rich man thought if Lazarus would just, if his, just give me just a drop, it would just relieve some of this. The misery and pain, the frustration and anger, the eternal separation. Hell's a place of suffering. The wrath of God abideth on that place. Of all the agonies of hell, I think back in Brother Joe Mark when he was here, his message, that word remember. Can you imagine hearing the truth, sitting in a service and hearing a message on hell, hearing a message about the love of God and not receiving Christ? I wonder how many times those thoughts play through your mind in hell. I remember every sermon they ever heard and rejected. The time they rejected the Holy Spirit of God, remember all those things it was a place of suffering next and uh i never really thought about this one one of the things i've been doing and i'm excited for this sunday morning we're on uh some of you are like i don't know if i'm excited you preached really long this last sunday morning i know it was really long and i was gonna do probably six or seven verses this week in verse number one a phrase just got me then i've got a lot of books and a lot of things i read and things and just a powerful truth. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Prisoner of Jesus Christ, that phrase, that's what we're going to talk about Sunday morning. I even, this afternoon, Caroline and I, we shared, um, pan- how many of you like Panda Express? Anybody like Panda Express? Who thinks that it's bad Chinese food? Raise your hand. Some of you just need help. It's excellent stuff. <laughs> the orange chicken, you cannot beat the orange chicken, and I, and maybe it's because, you know, I, maybe go to a lot of these Chinese food places, you might get more food, but it's never that fresh. You go to Panda, it's always fresh, and I like it. The orange chicken, that's my favorite. And uh, my fortune cookie even fits with the sermon on Sunday got today. You know the Lord must be in it or something else, I don't know. But I never, in all my time reading about hell and studying this, I never thought of this point I'm going to give you next. Number four, I believe it is, hell is a place of stubbornness. So what do you mean? Do you just think about this for a minute? The rich man here is in hell. He finds himself in a place of flames and divine punishment. But nothing about this man has changed how he was before he died. Oh, so what do you mean? In verse twenty-four, and he cried and said, "Father Abraham, Abraham, see on me and send Lazarus, they may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." he still views himself superior to Lazarus because he wants Lazarus to come serve him. Never thought of that before. But that's literally, he's saying, send Lazarus to go do this. What's happening here is he's still selfish and self-centered while he's in hell. It did nothing to change how he was. Look at verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed so that they, which would pass from thence to you, cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. No, another thing you see right here? He's not concerned about all the people that could end up in hell with him. He's only concerned about his five brethren. What about everyone else? He's still being very, very selfish here. And he still hasn't figured it out. He, fig- he still hasn't figured out that, and you look there in verse 29 through 31, that tells us that even in hell, he hasn't figured out what it takes to get to have someone not go to that awful place. Stubbornly is begging for the salvation of his family, but won't hear the truth that they must turn to God. The whole point of it is this. Even in hell, that man is the same as he was here on earth. His old nature is still as self-centered as it was when he was alive. You see a Christian, praise God for it. When we get saved, we're new creatures. Praise God that we're new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things come new. As long as we live this life, though, we've got a problem. Because we still have the old man. And the old man likes to rear his ugly head. At times when that old man just needs to stay away. And when we should have that new man put on, and the Bible says, it's very clear in Ephesians, to put off the old man and put on the new man. Which means Christians struggle with that. But when we get to heaven, when we get to be with the Lord, the old man is done. There is no more old man. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. There's no sin in heaven. There's none of the things that we struggle with today. We have a new glorified body, we will be complete in him and be as he is. In hell, that's not this. And In hell, that old nature will still be just what it was when it was here. There is no change. Hell's a place of stubbornness. Verses tell us that even when a man finds them, or finds himself in hell, they're still wretched, they're still lost, and they still don't seek God. Some people believe that you get a second chance once you die they believe that men will repent in the flames of hell and when they have paid for their sins they'll be released and taken to heaven but that this passage doesn't say that to us this passage not once does the rich man cry out to god save him not once he never begs for mercy never cries for salvation because when you're in hell you're just as lost there as you were here you're here tonight and you don't know jesus christ as your savior don't go to hell you don't have to you really don't have to. You trust Christ as your Savior. Recently, ABC News did a poll that revealed 70% of Americans surveyed believed in a place called heaven. 70%. But only 56% believed a place called hell. People don't like to think about the reality of hell. People don't like to hear preaching on hell. People don't like to hear it talked about, but let me just say something tonight. Hell is a real place. And just because you don't like to talk about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's what people do with God a lot of times. I had an atheist a few days ago that I was talking to and I always I I have the same answer for every atheist that I talk to. And I'm very nice. I'm very nice to whoever I talk to. One of the things that we gotta learn is we gotta learn to and we need to learn to be nice. One of the things someone shared with me a while back and second Timothy, Paul was gonna be correcting Timothy on some things but Paul was so nice beforehand he laid it all out I used to when I would witness I would always start out with you're just a wretched sinner that's where I'd always start not quite I don't call him a wretched sinner but a sinner but that's not where I start now I'm, I start first thing I realize is how much God loves you because he sent his son to die for you then I get into their condition and I believe that that's an important step in all of that where I was going with what I just said I don't know where I was going but the atheist there we go I'm like okay Brian you're going somewhere where were you going with that but I ask. he said, that I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. So well, what did God do to you that made you stop believing in him? Because most atheists, the thing is, if they can push God out, they can try to erase some of the feelings that they had of something that happened. I mean, he talked about a situation that happened in his childhood. He said, well, you just admitted the fact that you do believe in God. He got very quiet and he walked away. People know that there's a God. And you can deny it all you want, but there is a God. You can also deny the fact that there's a place called hell. Religion can try and tell you that a loving God would never send anyone to hell. The thing that happens is, would a loving God send anyone to hell? Justice of God, judgment of God, the holiness of God. This is what we like to do with God. We like to put God in our little box and make God be what we want him to be for us at the moment. God is has a bunch of attributes, and all of his attributes work together. God is a God of love, and no one's ever loved like God loves. God is also a God of justice and judgment and holiness and a holy God demands that sin be paid for and a loving God sent his son to die in our place and a just God will let those who have received his son go to heaven those who don't cannot So all the attributes of God work together we don't ever maximize one they're all great and greater than anything we could ever be but just because we don't and people don't believe there's a, understand something Israel is real and if someone dies without Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's where they're going. Christian, who's the last person you told about Jesus? That's our job. You know, the Holy Spirit of God, he's the one who convicts, he's the one who saves. We don't save anyone. We talked about Sunday morning. He's building a building, God is, and he's putting stone upon stone. Those stones that he's building, how do they hear without a preacher, a messenger? He does the work, but we gotta witness. Our job is to go and to share the gospel with everybody. That's what's happened each generation. Since the time back when Jesus died, the building, that building's being built, it's being built, it's being built, it's being built, what are we doing? We need to be reaching the lost. Why on Saturday are we having a turkey and a grocery giveaway? To be nice to people so they can have food for Thanksgiving? That is part of it. That is. I think that as a church, we should be reaching out to our community. And we should let the community see the love of Christ in our actions. And that's another thing. Showing the love of Christ, always there is a cost to it. That's why it's a good thing that we sacrifice and buy a turkey or buy groceries. That's a good thing for a church to do. Let people know that there's a church that loves them. The main reason is to get them here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord can do something that we could never do. But who have you witnessed to? Who do you share? Hell's real. But I honestly don't believe most Christians believe that hell's real. because Since the last time you witnessed oh, it's been a few years. How many people have heard about Jesus Christ that you missed. Well, I'm sure there was, you know, it's like that guy on the side of the road. I'm sure someone else is going to stop and help them out. Hey, I'm sure if I don't witness to them, God will send someone else to witness to them. I know that. don't. We need to understand that hell's a real place and live our lives in light of that. Do our very best. The man down the street, your mail uh, mail driver, your mcdonald's employee that gives you your food you know the supermarket cashier teller at the bank If they don't know christ they're headed to hell and what have you done to tell someone maybe you're sitting in here tonight and you say oh pastor i just don't believe hell's a real place you really you want to take that chance i believe that everything that jesus said is true he talked about hell more than anyone else did no one else talked about hell more than jesus talked about 70 times one of the greatest topics that jesus talked about was hell why because he had a burden the lost he believed it Imagine what we could do if we get a burden like Jesus had. We might have more people go soul winning. We might have more people witness, share their faith. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ is your Savior, I don't give invitations normally on a Wednesday night. And I don't preach a message on hell to scare anyone. If you're saved and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, nothing and no one can separate you from His love. There's nothing that can change that. He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You are saved, settled. Secure. Nothing can change that. You're already seated in heavenly places. Your seat's reserved. You're good to go. Nothing can change that. I don't preach a message on hell to scare anyone. Even if someone's not saved, I don't preach hell to scare you. Because honestly, how do I want to word one? I'm gonna say right here. I don't think it's technically right to get saved just so you don't have to go to hell. I think after all Jesus has done. It should never be viewed as, I got saved just so I don't go to hell. It should be like, after all the Lord's done, I want I want him. That's my thoughts on the subject. You see, hell's an awful place. And if you're going there, get that taken care of tonight. If you have family members and you have people that you know, tell them about Christ. You know, a lot of times it's Christmas time. And it's one of those times that you might get away with saying something that you couldn't say at other times. Or... You send out Christmas cards. Put something about the gospel in your Christmas cards. Nice, short, and sweet. Get a little seed planted. I'm not telling you to call your close family member that doesn't know Christ and I say, you I need to get saved or you're going to burn in hell. That's not going to get you anywhere very quickly. But you do need to warn them. Hell's a the real place. If that rich man could come back, he'd be one of the best soul winners that have ever lived. We who've been given the truth can't do our job and witness like we should. That's a shame on our part. Father, I thank you for the time that we've had this evening, for your word and for your faithfulness. Thank you for the book. Thank you for telling us the truth. Not sugarcoating it. Telling us how it is. Father, I pray this evening that if there's someone here that does not know you as their Savior, that tonight would be the night that they trust you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm the only one looking around. The question very simply this. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your I wonder if there's someone in the room who would say Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I might be going. I just don't know. I don't have any of that figured out. I don't know what I'm, what's going to happen with me. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up right where you're at, anyone, tonight? I know we look around the room. Most of us, we come here three times a week. But it's important that you know. Ask one last time someone would say, Pastor, if I die tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Pastor, pray for me. Just lift your hand up, anybody. Father, bless the rest of our evening. Bless the rest of this week. I pray that you would help this Saturday be a day that brings honor and glory to your name. That there would be some names written in the book of life this weekend. And that you just do a work that only you can do. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Bless and work like only you can. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.